Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. May 3rd, 2021. Hope everybody had a good weekend. It's definitely um, great. Obviously, things are heating up now. Uh, hitting the final stretch of the NBA uh, 2021 season. The NFL draft concluded this past weekend. Um, and a lot of things to get into. Uh, obviously, this week, with many things coming up around the sports world, obviously more and more athletes continue to impress, more and more people continue to move up the ranks in their profession and their sports. Um, and it's great to see that, especially this time of the year, when we know um, things are starting to get back to normal, getting some more uh, you know things to, to anticipate and watch. and. It's great uh, for all the audiences out there, no matter what age you are. So, today's episode, I want to recap some of the NBA action this week, this past weekend. Uh, it's kind of offer my thoughts on, as we head towards the NBA postseason, what to expect. Uh, one thing definitely is clear uh, to me, and that is in this year's Western Conference, uh, it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, I don't think any team uh, is out of it, to be honest. Uh, the ones that I've talked about already in Utah, Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers, um, anybody's got a shot this year in the Western Conference. Obviously, the bubble was different circumstances, but that doesn't take away from what the Lakers did in the bubble. Uh, but this year, obviously, the injuries, the kind of season that a lot of teams have had, it is truly going to be... Uh, just great to see what happens and what will unfold. Um, a lot of eyes are going to be on, obviously, the Clippers because of what happened last year. You know, you look at a team like Portland, who's been kind of rising up. A team like Dallas, the two teams that are rising up and getting closer and closer in the rankings to the fifth seed, the fourth seed. You know, that's going to be something to watch out for. So, um, you know, that's one thing in the Eastern Conference as we as we saw. Recently, I mean, you know, Miami started to move, move its way up. The Washington Wizards have put themselves in a position now where they are going to be hopefully contending and playing in the in-play tournament. So a lot of things to talk about and get into. Uh, so one of the games that took place this past weekend was between the Washington Wizards and Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks were able to beat the Washington Wizards 125-124 to 124 in a thriller. Uh, really great to see Luka Doncic and Russell Westbrook have their, um, you know, bring out the best of themselves in this game. You know, Doncic had a, a great pass late, uh, late in the corner to Donny Finney-Smith, who hit the three-pointer, hit the go-ahead game-winning three-pointer with nine seconds left. Uh, Luka with an incredible stat line of 31 points. 20 assists, 12 rebounds, a triple-double. Um, you know, look at Westbrook with 42, 10, and 9. Bradley Beal threw in 29 as well. And, you know, the Washington Wizards have been surging a lot lately. They've been playing much, much better. Uh, it's really come down to Westbrook and Beal just bringing out their effort all night. Um, and the Wizards have, surprisingly, I, th- I thought they really were going to have a chance to make it all the way to the playing tournament uh, about a couple of months ago, but they definitely have played hard. 
And I gotta give credit to Scott Brooks, who I thought they should have went in a different direction with, but they stayed the course. Bradley Beal stayed the course. Westbrook stayed the course. And this team has got some, uh, you know, they got a fighting chance, you know, for the playing tournament. Uh, they're gonna be hard to beat if Westbrook and Beal have it going. Now, I wish that the, the Washington Wizards had executed a better shot, a better final play. I mean, Bradley Beal was a little bit careless with the, careless with the basketball, um, but he got a good look at it. You know, he got a good look at it. I thought they could have run a better play, although. I thought they could have run a better play. You, you know, you just needed to get a, a layup, a basket in any way. Taking a three-pointer in that situation, I mean, you know, he could have done better. He could have drove to the lane, draw a foul, um, you know. Taking the shot was it was not a bad shot, but I thought you could have just been a little bit more better in terms of uh, you know drawing some contact or finding a better look than in that play. But the Wizards fought it back in this game. To be honest, they were they outscored Dallas in that third quarter, which was great to see, and they kept fighting. They kept fighting to stay and close the gap. Uh, and the Mavericks, to be honest, have been playing so good lately that they're starting to catch ground and. They've been getting better and better as the season goes along. Um, I'm still not sure if Dallas has, has it all yet to make a big run to the championship. I I think they still need one more piece. As great as Luka is, as great as Porzingis is, I think Dallas needs one more piece. Um, and they're still a young, talented team on their you know on their bench. So I just don't trust their depth when it comes down to the postseason time I don't think they're going to be able to um, I think they're going to really maximize Luka a lot which Luka is going to play obviously a lot no matter what because they want to avoid being in, being in the play-in tournament um, but I just think that the Mavericks are going to need a little bit more um, if they want to make a serious run at it this year uh, not to say that they, they may be able to pull off a first round upset as possible but I don't really see them being able to, you know, challenge Phoenix um, or, 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 you know, even Denver, uh, maybe Denver to some extent. But I don't, I don't see them being like Phoenix if they had to face Phoenix, let's say. I think that Phoenix would be too too much for them just because of the way that Chris Paul plays the point guard position. Luka, as great as a ball handler he is, I mean, you know, he, you know sometimes defenses are able to adjust and figure out how to stop you, so... But they're a team to watch out for. So, you know, overall, uh, the Wizards in this game just needed better ball movement because the Dallas Mavericks had a lot of assists in this game. Uh, Wizards need better ball movement. And one thing about their team is that I think they need more shooting. Now, people are wondering, like, why am I saying shooting for the Washington Wizards? Everybody needs shooting, yes. But the Wizards haven't had, like, the best depth, you know, backcourt, like, in terms of, like, their bench. They haven't had that consistent production. Um, and I think that they need a couple of guys to get healthy, obviously, to play a little bit more. It'll come with time, but I think they just need more guys who can put the ball in the paint uh, other than Westbrook and Beal. Although those two are going to be your offense day in, day out, you got to have something else extra uh, to give you something. You know, I think that's something that the Washington Wizards have to really consider. You know, they end up keeping Bradley Beal and Westbrook together. they got to add another quality player, another quality shooting forward because... Their rookie draft pick, Denny Adavadija, hasn't done that great yet. He could be eventually a good shooter, but as of right now, they're lacking that in some areas, and they need, they need to find a way to get that fixed up um, if they want to be able to 
be uh, contending, uh, you know, and taken seriously uh, in the Eastern Conference. The other game that took place um, so on Sunday was the between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now the Nets obviously aren't at full strength yet. They had they had Kyrie, they had Durant, but they did not have Harden. But nonetheless, this was a regular season game, um, and you know the Milwaukee Bucks were able to come up on top, one seventeen to one fourteen. It was a great game from Giannis and Kevin Durant. They put on a show. I mean, Giannis had forty nine points, you know, uh, and, and you know he had four three pointers, had three block shots. I think a block or two came on Kevin Durant, um, but Giannis has had it going. He really took Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, whoever whoever he was matching up against. He really took them to school, showed his dominance. And things that with the Milwaukee Bucks, we're used to seeing them play well in the regular season. It's all about the, how they, they do in the postseason. So, you know, now they actually have a big three with you know Drew and Middleton and Giannis, uh, and they gotta be able to do this. Um, in the postseason against the Brooklyn Nets, in my mind. Now, Middleton at 26, Drew at 18 points. Uh, you can see that Drew Holiday has had a great impact on this team, whether it be providing the scoring from, you know, from the point guard position. They seem to play really, really well. Uh, Giannis obviously wanted to be dominant, attack the rim, hit shots when they give him shots. Uh, obviously, teams don't always... You know, respect his three-point shooting, but he can make some, and he made about four yesterday. So that was great to see. For the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant was unstoppable, and he's not a hundred percent yet fully. But I mean, he was just hitting shot after shot. Uh, no matter what angle it was, he was just hitting a shot um, time and time again. You know, pulling up from three, pulling up from one spot or another. I mean, Durant with 42 points. Kyrie Irving had 20 points. A little bit of a surprise that Kyrie uh, wasn't able to do more offensively. But then again, Kevin Durant took a lot of shots. Um, and that happens, obviously, when you try to get back into the rhythm. Um, but Kyrie Irving could have played a little bit better. You know, I thought he would have much more than 20 points in this game. You know, but also in this game, I mean, it came down to the Bucks being able to show up and play some more defense towards the end. Um... You know, the Nets didn't have 16 turnovers, which was not uh, ideal. You know, you want to be able to, be able to, you know, if they had a couple of extra possessions back, they could have probably been ahead in this game. Uh, so the Bucks took advantage of their turnovers pretty much. Um, and in the, in the paint, I mean, the Bucks scored 48 points in the paint versus 32 for the Nets. So the Nets obviously are going to play a different style with James Harden, you know, facilitating-wise, positioning-wise. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. But Milwaukee does have like a decent amount of size on their team that it could, could give the Nets some problems unless they kind of move Kevin Durant and play him like at power forward or four. Or, you know, I mean, it, it depends on how they want to be able to maximize their lineup. That's up to Steve Nash, though, how he, you know, tries to incorporate these guys because, you know, you got Jeff Green, you got Joe Harris. And you got Blake Griffin. You got to be able to incorporate those guys much better and like be better defensively. You know, be better defensively, even if you know Harden is not on the floor. Harden wasn't playing. You got to be better defensively. Not allowed too many rebounds, too many paints. You know, but it was a great game down the stretch. And Kevin Durant actually had a chance to tie this game, uh, but PJ Tucker was able to kind of affect his shot a little bit. Uh, it was a long three-point attempt. 
but Tucker was brought for a reason with the you know trades in Milwaukee to be a you know defensive guy specialist. Uh, and on that possession, he kind of gave Kevin Durant a little bit of a tough time getting open, and Durant took the shot, didn't go in, uh, and the you know the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were able to hold on to, to win the game. Now these two teams are going to play probably tomorrow night again in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, and you know these two teams are just feeding each other out. Obviously, the Nets are going to be the favorites once Harden is fully healthy and back in the mix of things. Um, but the way that Philly and Milwaukee have played as a recent, I mean, it's going to be up to them to really change the narrative because a lot of basketball analysts, a lot of people out there are saying that we've seen this movie before from the Milwaukee Bucks. We've seen this from uh, the Philadelphia Sixers. They look great in the regular season. They shoot well, they defend well, but they can't get it done in the postseason time. Now, for the Nets, obviously, that's kind of a similar case because they don't. we haven't seen Kyrie, Harden, and Durant play as much this year together. But in the postseason, you know, we're going to find out a lot about all these teams, and particularly the Milwaukee Bucks, whether they can change their narrative from the last two years where they kind of have fizzled out. You know, they were up 2-0 on Toronto in the conference finals a couple of years ago. And then they end up, you know, losing four straight. Then you had Milwaukee, you know, last year Miami getting the win, you know. So the Bucks have a lot to prove. They obviously changed their strategy up a lot, hitting more three-pointers this year, being more offensively better. And we're going to see if they can do that when it comes time in the postseason because that's what Giannis and Budenholzer will be judged on, uh, as will the Nets on how they perform in the postseason. But they're warming up, and this is just a preview of things to come in, in the Eastern Conference postseason. So in this next segment, I want to bring up a couple of names that I think are, are really good stories um, in their own unique way. And the first person that I want to talk about is Christian Pulziak, um of of Chelsea. Uh, Christian uh, Pulzic is a great player uh, that plays for Chelsea, uh, the you know in the Premier League, um, and he's also played for the U.S. national team as well. A great. Um, you know, attacking midfielder can play also on the wing, and he's been uh, one of the young and up-and-coming stars um, in soccer. You know, that continues to show a great level of play and style, um, and very talented as well. You know, Christian Pulisic is from from Pennsylvania. You know, obviously. Uh, his family background, they played collegiate soccer, so he had that interest and passion from a very early age. Um, and some of the fans do nickname him Captain America, which I can uh, understand because, you know, some fans just love to attach nicknames to their, you know, idols they look up to. So, you know, Christian Pulis is a very high-level player, uh, very dedicated to his work and... I mean, he started his professional career with the with a German club, um, Borussia uh, Dortmund, and you know he really grew as a player uh, with this with, with this club. Obviously, competing a lot, gaining the experience, um, you know, getting better and better every game. Um, every game, every game that he played, he was getting better and better. 
And 2019, I think he moved to Chelsea. It was a transfer that he made. It was one of the most expensive transfers I think a club had in getting his, a player of his caliber. And just looking at him in terms of his like international records, I mean, he has 15 goals in 36 games. You know, U.S. soccer, uh, male athlete of the year. I mean, U.S. male athlete. I mean, he's, he's been, you know, he's had that honor of being like, you know, the, winning the award twice for being, you know, athlete of the year, soccer, up and coming and young and all that. Uh, so he's been doing exceptional things at a very early age. And, I mean, his teammates rave about him in terms of the way he steps up in key moments. Um, you know, he's battled through some of his battled through some injuries uh, throughout his career as well. Uh, but he continues to, you know, put a brave face out there. Continues to work on his craft much, much better. Um, I think he recently scored uh, in the Champion League semifinal on April 27. You know, for, for Chelsea. So, you know, he's got that um, great touch and feel for the game. Very intelligent player. Um, and he's a great leader. He's a great leader that uh, is, you know, coming up and showing out. Um, and, you know, a lot of his teammates, a lot of his coaches admire his ability to really go out there and play well. And I think he's really exciting, obviously, because, I mean, he's been, you know, going through so many little experiences. And obviously, he's represented the United States uh, national team very, very well in the past. And he continues to play well. Um, and you know compete understand things at a good level and he's only 22 you know the sky's the limit for him he's one of those those unique players out there along with many other soccer players that are starting to rise up have a lot of potential whether they be you know 18 or 19 or they'll be their early 20s uh the future of soccer is bright with some of these players that you know work their way up play you know in, in many different spots you know, and they continue to work on themselves no matter what, find a way to get themselves in their, you know, so he's got a lot of upside, a lot of talent that is yet to, um, yet to be shown. And I think the more that he plays, obviously he's going to get more offers and offers to play elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, he really took off at an early age, um, being able to play, um, you know, overseas and being able to, you know, shout out some players along the way. So, you know, I think that he's going to do well. Um, you know, main thing for him is just being healthy and consistent um, and being available, being available um, and keeping his great composure, you know, keeping great composure, great football character. And I think he's going to do well um, for Chelsea and hopefully the United States national soccer team in the years to come. So the next athlete or uh, individual that I want to talk about, um, and this is more on the line of baseball, is Rachel um, Balcock or... I'm probably mispronouncing this name, but um, yeah, Rachel Balvacek. That's the correct way to pronounce that. Sorry about that. Some of these last names can be very interesting, but yeah, Rachel um, Balkovich. Uh, she is 
the current hitting coach for the New York Yankees. Um, and uh, her journey has been very, very incredible up to this point. Obviously, we know the Yankees are one of the best, one of the best baseball teams, one of the best organizations in all sports. Uh, not only for the way, the way they treat their players, the way they develop their players, but how they are able to create an environment in which you can, you can succeed. And so, you know, she became the first uh, woman to be hired to a full-time hitting coach role in 2019. You know, playing softball actually at Creighton University in New Mexico, um, you know, back then growing up. And, you know, and she obviously interned in a lot of places. She had a graduate internship with LSU and strength and, uh, you know, conditioning. So she obviously got input into baseball very early. Obviously, seeing things from a hitter's perspective, playing softball, she obviously had that those experiences that really molded her well. Where she was able to move on, you know, move on to uh, do a lot of great things in terms of her experiences. You know, she got to see, um, you know, things up close with some of the front offices and works. You know, and the biggest thing that she worked her way up. You know, she had to obviously. Uh, battle against a lot of other things and, and one of those things she had to really battle against was the whole idea that you know women couldn't be in, involved in a baseball role or they couldn't be hired to this role and we've seen throughout the last year or so that things have changed now we're seeing more and more uh, females and women get into sports into the NBA to uh, to baseball into football and it's a great sign to see because they have so much to offer, not only in terms of their expertise and this, but they can they can relate so well with players. They can talk to people and share their experiences and build you know build things forward. And so, Rachel, you know, Balvacek, she, uh, you know, she even at some point working her way up, um, you know, through some of the major league clubs that she had to work with, being a hitting coach or being a strength and conditioning coach. She had to also at one point learn Spanish so that players could understand her. Um, I think this was one of those teams, you know, overseas or um, when she went through some of her baseball camps and stuff, she had to really find a way to relate to players, talk to players. So she learned Spanish to, to really communicate with her players. She, she went all out and obviously throughout her career, she had those, you know, situations and those circumstances where you know, she got rejected a couple of times for, you know, when she was hiring in the interviewing process for some certain positions, you know. And at, at that time, I, the whole idea was like, no male GM or owner is going to hire a female to their roster or to, to their organization. But things are different now. And the more that we continue to respect and appreciate the talent, the ability that these women have in knowing sports and getting involved into sports, they know so much and they are, they offer a different perspective they offer different ideas that down the road make a huge huge difference in the changeover of building a great culture building a great workplace culture and a great environment for these players to thrive in and so she relates very well with her players very patient um and you know she's 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 all about the, she's all about the the idea that we have the ability to change people's minds you know we can we can go and do a lot of things in our in, in our journey up to the top. And so, while she was working her way through the ranks, and she worked as a as a hitting coach and a strength conditioning coach at various clubs, you know, she also went and got 
couple of master degrees as well, um, which is tremendous. She got the master degrees that offer her different perspectives, especially one of her master degrees that she did was in, I think, in analytics and kind of following that. And baseball now is a lot about analytics driven, about certain pitch counts and all these things. So she got up to her speed very, very well. And she got well versed in a lot of areas before she came back stronger than ever. And when the Yankees were able to hire her to a full-time role, it was amazing to see that. Um, and she continues to work with these players on the AA level, the minor league level. Uh, she's making her impact known. She's speaking out, she's talking, and she's one of those people behind the scenes that the Yankees can say are, are you know, she's contributing to their success in, in some way, as as a lot of other females, a lot of other women in, in Major League Baseball. Um, and, you know, in her own unique way, she's been able to, um, you know, work hard towards certain things. She, she let nothing stop her from accomplishing her, her goals, her dreams. And so, you know, where one thing ended for her, she would pick it up and go to another club. She would keep trying to make herself get involved and understand how things work in baseball, how to be the best at what you can do. And her experiences, her words, her networks really gave her opportunity to explore and get better and better. Um, and now she's at a point where she's really successful, doing well with the Yankees. Um, and she continues to find different ways to communicate, to have a great relationship with the player so that they're able to thrive and get tips and advice. Um, and that's the biggest thing that she can offer. Obviously playing herself um, and working with different clubs over the years. Uh, she's taking a lot of lessons forward and I think she'll continue to be a, a huge name for the Yankees that may end up rising more and more potentially in the years to come um, as the Yankees continue to build and have this organization change um, just like other teams and other sport leagues do, other teams do. You know, she's going to be part of a bigger change of giving more of a platform to women to be involved at, at a baseball level. And we've already seen that earlier in the year with Miami, Miami Marlins, and we're going to continue to, to do, see that more and more. And I will be sharing more stories of some of the incredible women in Major League Baseball because they have such a great impact. And even though baseball may not be you know, as watched as widely as, as it is, in other spots, it's still a great sport to talk about just in terms of the development of the teams that are able to build their organization with the right people. And Rachel Balochek is someone who definitely fits that mold and she continues to do a great job for the New York Yankees. Um, and I'm sure she'll be definitely uh, one of those individuals that will get a chance to even interview for even a higher position at some point in Major League Baseball.